and we are live with a very special edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. Andrew, I think for the first time in our show's history, we're going to do a super show in terms of football. Not only will we will we be talking about this past week's college football slate, we will also go into the NFL slate. A wild weekend for sure. A lot went down in both college and professional. And now we go into their respective weeks, looking to see how closer we get to determining who will be not only in the college football playoff for the college football, but maybe who are, we're still trying to figure out, as we keep saying a lot for this entire NFL season, who are the best teams in the NFL. And I think this past Sunday really did not make it any clearer, in my opinion. Uh, a little bit. I think it gains, you think gave so? us some clarity for one team, which we'll just kind of glance over. We won't I think really I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of gives it a... There's nothing really to talk about to see how, unless you talk about how much they improved. So uh, we don't have to go into that now. And that's later in the show, probably the last yeah. 40 minutes of show or so. So let's go right into our uh, week 11 recap for college football, though. Yeah, we'll go into week 11. And it was a wild week 11. I mean, we had an earlier game in the week that we saw. We thought Louisville was going to lose to Virginia. They were able to come back and save their championship hopes in the ACC. Uh, we'll talk about the not only the college football uh, polls, but we'll also talk about the certain championship games in terms of conferences. But one big conference in particular was the Big Ten, and that was on great display this week as we saw a top-10 matchup between number 3 Michigan going into Happy Valley to take on number 10 Penn State. Michigan's first game without Jim Harbaugh after he got suspended. He'll now be out for the rest of the regular season. So that's key for Michigan because they have to still play Ohio State at the end of the year, and now they won't have him for that game. So their first game without him going into Happy Valley. And they did what they had to do in this game. J.J. McCarthy did not look great. I mean, he didn't really have to throw the ball as much because Michigan was able to run the ball for 227 yards as a team. Their defense did a great job. They forced Penn State to make many mistakes. It even led to Penn State making an offensive coordinator change as of this past week. And Michigan stays undefeated on the season with a 24-15 win over the Nittany Lions. They now go to 10-0, two games left in the year. And, of course, as I mentioned, the one looming game with Ohio State. Now, you're going to mention J.J. McCarthy. Michigan had stated, or some players after the game ended, said they chose not to pass. Right. And here's the crazy part. He didn't make a pass from seven minutes on in that second quarter. So, for roughly 65% of that game, 60% of that game, they didn't make a single pass because they didn't have to. They knew, Penn State knew... Exactly. What play was, and it was a statement too, because, you know, even though I am an angry St. John's fan, the whole science uh, stealing scandal is going on right now, and we just lost to Michigan, I still have to come defend them on this. Yeah, they just knew that. They, they just showed you that you could know what play is coming every single time. Like, you knew they were going to run it every single time. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that formation. They would have 10 guys up front and one in the back. Right. And they just ran it and stuffed it down their face every single time. That's a statement win. It's a statement win over an opponent that gave Ohio State troubles, and it seems like they just manhandled them this entire game. Now, I think the curious thing is, now remember, as of this recording, we do not know what the college football playoff poll is going to be. As of this recording, we're still two hours away from that poll being released, so we're basing this off. Tonight's mushing hour is going to be based off of the AP Top 25 poll that just came out this past week. Won't be as similar to the playoff poll, most likely, but we'll give it that as it may. But other than that, you're right. This is a big statement win for Michigan. A lot of people have been doubting them all season because of their strength of schedule. 
They finally beat a top 10 team and their best win by far in the season. Now it's curious to see where they get ranked going into this week. I believe if I had to think, I don't see them really moving up as much. Maybe they go to number two, but I don't see them dropping Ohio State or Georgia. So I think Michigan still is in firm position to stay number three. And they have a great opportunity to make the college football playoff if they can beat Ohio State. Absolutely. And uh, this is a statement for Michigan, and I think they should be number one in the poll after this. That's well, my opinion, though. You say that. I think the team that we're going to talk about next should be the number one team in the country after what they did this past weekend. That being Georgia, the defending two-time national champions, going for that three-peat this season, maybe their best game of of all this entire season. A drubbing of number nine Ole Miss, fifty-two to seventeen at home to go to now ten and zero on the season. They just were dominant this entire game. Carson Beck is now finally starting to emerge as a really good quarterback for this team. They forced Jackson Dart to make mistakes, forced him to get taken out of the game. Ole Miss is a team that's known for their offense, had nothing going offensively. Georgia was able to run the football as well. Just an all-out great performance. They had 300 passing yards, 300 rushing yards. That's 600 yards of offense right there from this team. That's an unbelievable game plan from this Bulldogs team. In my opinion, they should be the number one team going into the country going into this week. This is another week where Georgia could have stopped scoring at halftime and they would have won. Yep. It's it's crazy that every single time one of these teams come up, uh, like whether it's Florida, which I, and I know Florida wasn't a ranked opponent for anything special, but they're still a decent football team. They're still an upper echelon team in a lot of our conferences. And, but this was an absolute statement winning against Ole Miss. It, it was it, it, It's like they were playing two different sports. It's like the guys on Ole Miss, this is the first time they ever played football. Right. Yeah, I think now for Georgia, I mean, the, they're having so much confidence going on this season. By far, a huge game coming up this weekend on the road. And then they play Alabama for the championship game in the SEC. It's now determined those two teams will play in the SEC championship game on December, December 2nd. And it's going to all come down to that game. Not so, only for Georgia, but for Alabama to make the so he, college football playoff. So here's going to be my question for you. We're assuming that they're going to lose, uh, that they're going to win out. They're going to play. They're going to beat Tennessee. They're going to beat Georgia Tech. Now, here's the doomsday scenario. What if Alabama loses to Auburn and then they beat Georgia? Does Georgia still deserve to make the college football playoffs? I think I they think, do, but it, you, it opens the dialogue. That's, that's I think, the question I have. I think the biggest question is going to be what does where are the teams around Georgia going to be like going? I agree that? Because, because I know we've t- we've spoken about this before. Yeah, uh, one at least two teams in the Pac-12 have to go. One team probably from the Big Twelve has to go. One team from the ACC, that being Louisville and um, and Florida State, have to go. So I there's think- be a lot of teams around them that are going to have to fall just because not based off. Oh yeah, you know we think they're going to lose. Like no, one of these teams or multiple. A couple of these teams have to lose, so right, that's gonna be we, the interesting part. We don't know how the season's gonna end. Louisville could we we have talked about it a couple of times. They could make that case, even though they almost lost this past week. They're in line to play for the ACC championship game, and they would be playing Florida State. And obviously, in that scenario, if Louisville beats Florida State, you have to consider the Cardinals to be in that college football playoff. Now they haven't clinched a spot in the championship game yet. They can clinch it this upcoming weekend if they defeat the Miami Hurricanes. We'll talk about that game later on in the mushing hour, but that scenario is really tough because if Georgia loses to Alabama, then it creates a dynamo effect. What happens after that? Or domino effect, excuse me. Michigan, Ohio State, we know how to play each other. 
Washington and Oregon are destined to play each other again in the Pac-12 championship game unless something happens this upcoming weekend. If Oregon State beats Washington, that could create a lot more chaos than even we could even imagine. So that's another thing to talk about. And we still have the opportunity with maybe someone else surprising us at the end of the day. If Texas loses in the Big 12 championship game, who knows what happens with that? Because then Texas would be the automatic team to get in if they just went out and win the Big 12 title game. But if they lose the Big 12 title game or even a game beforehand, then you're talking about a lot more teams even in the conversation that we're not even talking about right now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how many different possibilities there are, but uh, we won't, we'll leave that up to the imagination because there's probably a million dis- different scenarios right now. And we can get into our next game. And we're going to go back to the Pac-12 now. I know we mentioned them earlier. Washington... Hanging on by Fred versus Utah. I knew yeah. it was going to be a close game, but I didn't think they'd pull it off. They and, were losing a half. Yeah, I mean, listen, Washington seems to have these, they're kind of like Florida State a little bit, where they played down the competition. I realize that Utah is one of the better teams in the country, but Utah hasn't, I, I think their ranking well, isn't warranted. Well, they are, the, the, they are, they have won the Pac-12 the last two years in their defense, but... I agree. I think it's been an up and down year for them. I mean, I think injuries a quarterback have certainly played a play for this Utah team. Their defense has been very up and down, so you can't really get get a gauge of what they are. But to their credit, they they put up a fight in this one with Washington, and they really gave them a run for their money. And there was a good strong case for Washington to potentially lose this game. But Michael Penix, the company, did their work. They were able to hold on. They did not allow a point in the second half to Utah for allowing all 20 in the first half. And now they're 10-0. Season's still not over for them because they still have a huge game this upcoming weekend, and they play Washington State. They still haven't clinched a spot. I in my opinion, I, I want to say they haven't still clinched a spot in the Pac-12 title game. Um, they have not. So there's still, a, there's still a chance maybe they miss out. I'd severely doubt it's likely going to happen. But... I'm trying to think of my math overall because they're 7-0 right now. I don't think Arizona can do anything. I think if Oregon State beats Washington this week and then Washington loses again and Oregon State wins their last game against Oregon, then you have a three-way tie for the top of the Pac-12 in determining who those final two teams are going to be. It would obviously be Oregon State being one of them, and then the other team I think would be Washington. So I think Oregon State will punch their ticket this weekend, though. I know you believe that. I know you, I'm, you're I'm a, a big... firm believer in that, and uh, maybe not punch it, but they still have to. Te- they would have to technically beat Oregon the next week, but I think they could be on their way to punching it this weekend. Yeah, so there, there's still a lot to talk about in the Pac-12 because you have another big game upcoming this weekend with that conference. Uh, we saw Oregon handle work; they were able to hold on against USC this past week, so they are in a good spot right now to make that championship game. But in a, another conference that we'll go to, the Big Twelve. That had a big-time shake of this past weekend, Andrew. We thought going into the week that it looked like Texas and Oklahoma State were going to be those two teams to play in the Big 12 championship game. Now, Texas, they had a bit of a scare against TCU. They were able to hold on and get the win. However, for Oklahoma State and Kansas, they both suffered bad defeats. And now we're back to square one of trying to figure out who is going to be playing for this Big 12 championship game. Right now, it's still Texas and Oklahoma State, but now the Oklahoma Sooners are right back into the picture after they lost to this Oklahoma State team. So now, one Cowboys loss puts Oklahoma at another chance to get a rematch with Texas. 
it's crazy to see that, you know, just as they kind of pull you out, they, you know, they suck you back in. And can you imagine or Oklahoma State has the inside track? They give up 45 points to UCF. Now, no, no, remember, it's not having a good year at all. UCF was one of those great mid-major programs for the longest time, and I believe that they deserve to make the playoffs in that Alabama feud them a couple of years ago, and I will I will take that to my grave. However, this is not the UCF of four or five years ago. This is modern-day UCF. Uh, they don't have the same head coach. They've had a lot of rosters run over. I'm sorry, I changed it. Gus Malzahn to confuse the Auburn coaches. Yeah, so uh, Oklahoma State, after having that big upset in Oklahoma, uh, or against Oklahoma last week, I should say, they come up flat this week, and who do you think is going to actually make the Big 12 title game at this point? Because it's kind well, of wide open now. Well, it's kind of funny because Texas plays Iowa State this week, and Iowa State, believe it or not, is 5-2 at conference play, so they actually have a chance as well to play for the Big 12 title game, and they could create utter chaos if they beat Texas because not only would Texas be out of the college football playoff race, they might be out of the entire Big 12 title race. So I think it's still – you know, determining for every this entire conference. I think Texas will handle business this week. Kansas State has a good opportunity, especially if they can beat Kansas this week. But I don't know. I think we're in the spot where, I, in my opinion, if I had to think, I think we're going to have a rematch between Oklahoma and Texas again. That would be absolutely crazy to see if this is a rematch after all this drama. But it would be the most Texas thing ever after being back for the entire year. But I to think trip that, and fall at the finish line. But I think if you're Texas, I think you want that to happen. Because it's your only loss of the season. You want to rectify that loss, and especially if it's a chance to punch your ticket into the college football playoff. I think Texas would be, you know, jumping at the bit to be facing Oklahoma for the Big 12 title game. So oh, I'm sure they would love to face him, but is it going to happen, though? That's my question. I think it's 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 tough because you have a lot of teams buying for that bit. I think the Kansas City and Kansas game will tell a lot. If Kansas beats Kansas State, then Oklahoma's in a better spot than they were going into the week. If Kansas State wins, then that creates another a team that we can look at and say, hey, they have a great opportunity. Oklahoma State, in my opinion, after this bad loss, now they go to Houston. I don't know. That's good. That won't be an easy road game for them. So I think they're in a little bit of a danger spot again because they were at UCF this past week, and, I, and it didn't work out, obviously. So I think the Big 12 right now, I think it's Texas, and it's up for grabs for that second spot. I completely agree with you. And before we head into the first edition of our Mushing Hour, we have to talk about some major college football news. Huge. Uh, after receiving a $160 million check from their boosters at the halftime game this weekend, <laughs> uh, Texas A&M has fired Jimbo Fisher's rumored for the majority of the season. They were going to fire him this season if he did not perform. Uh, I've said this multiple times. I don't think this is a good firing. Not only do they owe, them, owe him $75 million over the next uh, next decade or so. But you also fired the man after not having his quarterback for the entire season, and he's actually stringing together a decent season with his backup quarterback. Texas a and may finish 8-4 and four this season with a backup quarterback, which would be a hell of an improvement from last year. You, we all know the offense has improved, so the timing on this is suspect, but I will say it was very cold of him, and cold, cold meaning... I can't believe they actually got away with this. They flexed the check they got from their donors at halftime, and then they fired the man the next day. I thought that was unbelievably petty, and I'm kind of all for it. Well, listen, Jimbo's getting paid a lot of money now to get sit, you know, to sit on the couch and just watch this. Uh, this what did, uh, what did Coach say? What, what did uh, Coach, coach o o say? O? Um, yeah. Oh, uh, 
I don't remember off the top of my head. I know, I know what you're he getting pretty much at. Said, he said when he was getting bought out for $17 million, he pretty much jumped at the bit and said, okay, how long do you want me to sit there for? Right. Like, I said, listen, if you had to be, look, I would glad you could fire me and pay me to sit on my couch for $75 million <laughs> over the next decade. I, I would love that opportunity. Yeah, of course. Any, any expiring, uh, any aspiring ADs out there to waste money. I mean, listen, you can call me up. You can know how to get in contact with me. I'm, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, uh, I think the biggest question I'm going to ask you now is, who do you think goes to Texas A&M to be the new coach? Have you seen the latest rumors? I have, se- I have seen a bunch of rumors. Latest rumors, it's going to be Urban Meyer. I've seen Urban Meyer. I've seen Dan Lanning from Oregon. I've also seen Deion Sanders. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Deion Sanders. That's a little suspect. Uh, the current Duke head coach that I have heard also, who is a former Jimbo Fisher assistant, is also a possibility. I don't think it will be Dion either. Um, I don't think they'd be. No offense to Dion, I don't think he's ready for the SEC. No, I yet. think I think give him another. I think he needs to like figure. He's learn how to coach a defense. They're going. They're going back to the. They're going back to the Big Twelve next year also for Colorado. So I think let him try to build something there first before he. I'm gonna let him cook. Goes out somewhere else. If Dan Lanning were to leave Oregon, that would be interesting because he's already denied it. Um, I know, but again, that means nothing at this stage of uh, right. this stage of life. Because they're going to the Big Ten next season, and if he were to do that, and at least for the SEC, that Oregon could be in, could be in maybe for some rough years if they, especially because that Big Ten is going to be very tough to win right now. It look, it's looking, to, it's shaping up to be a very good conference next season. Absolutely, and only time will tell how elite this conference actually will be, though. But now time's going to tell for. The latest edition of our college football mushing hour, the first mushing hour of this episode. We'll have another one later on in a couple of minutes. Week 12 of the college football season. We're almost near the end, Andrew. Three more weeks after this week coming up. We have a couple of games on the slate. Not the, the you know the craziest games. There could be some upset alerts, though, I will say that. But for the viewers at home, or the listeners at home, I should say, what does the mushing hour entail? Well, it's kind of a play on the, uh, the witching hour uh, from Red Zone and Scott Hansen, where winners become losses and losses and losses uh, become wins. Because when we almost always when we agree on something, it's a mush. Last week we had a mush. It was the Bears minus four. We uh, both agreed on that, and it uh, was the, yeah the Bears won by three points. Bad beat. Very seldomly do we when we agree. We tend to um, it tends to cover. It happens. It's been happening pretty often now. It's yeah. happened with the under in the Michigan Penn State game, the USC plus fifteen, 49ers uh, minus three. It happens sometimes, but more often than not, when we tend to agree, please fade us because that means we're both kind of feeding off each other's stupidity, and you need to come and mush us. So I, with that being said, I will say that we have been really good the last couple of weeks when it comes to our picks. So. We have been red hot, so uh, we've been red hot so far. Nick Which is means a, this week we're we're guaranteed to be cold. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I went I went six and one last week. You went four and four. That is a combined ten and five. So hey, if yeah. you win sixty six percent of your picks, that's a great week. Yeah, fifty five percent is uh it's just going above average or just yeah. you know it's profitable at these picks. But sixty six percent is ridiculous. So that being said, we have our first game of this week's edition of the Mushing Hour. We have number nine Louisville on the road going to Miami uh, to take on the Hurricanes. Louisville on the road minus one favorites and the over under slate at forty six and a half. Give me Louisville to cover. Louisville minus one. I think they're going to win by at least a point. So 
Give me Louisville minus one. Uh, the magic doesn't end here. Miami kind of has a Swiss cheese defense. They kind of peaked in week two. So give me Louisville. Now, keep in mind, we talked about the implications for this game earlier. If Louisville wins, they're in the ACC championship game. They will play Florida State for that title game. If they lose, they will open the door for a team like North Carolina to get in that championship game. And I think this is going to be a tough game for them. They just had a close encounter with a Virginia team that hasn't had a good season. And now they're going into Miami. And Miami, to their credit, put up a good fight this past weekend with Florida State. I think this will be a close game. Um, I'm going to go over the over for this one. I don't really like the spread. I really, I'm really, i kind of leaning towards Miami if I had to pick between the two. I think Miami can actually pull this one out. But I'm going to go with the over. I agree with you. Miami's defense has not been great. Louisville just gave up a ton of points last week to Virginia. So I like these two teams to score. Okay, the second game we have the Sam Hartman Bowl. Wake Forest on the road at number 20, Notre Dame. Notre Dame at home, a whopping 24.5 point favorite. 46.5 is the slated over under. Only reason why we have this game on here the is Sam Hartman because Bowl. it's for Sam Hartman. His old team, Wake Forest, where he grew and developed as a quarterback versus the team he left for for greener pastures and turned up being worse than his team last year. Yikes. But who am I to judge? Alrighty, then. So he I'm going to take. There. With that being said, I'm taking Wake Forest plus twenty four and a half. Uh, I still think they're going to lose by two touchdowns, but the, his team will have a lot of fight to show him what they missed. You don't think those DBs in practice that used to play with him all the time want to pick him off in a real game? I think they want to. So give me Wake Forest to cover. Plus 24 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with the opposite. I'm going to take Notre Dame plus 24, uh, minus 24 and a half, I should say. Um, I think Sam Harmon's going to have some extra motivation in this one. And Wake Forest has not looked good this season at all. They are at the bottom of the ACC. Notre Dame still technically trying to fight for a New Year's Six Bowl. Irish win this one pretty big. Oh, come on. You you really believe that? Well, I mean, it's probably going to happen. They're, but anyways. It, it, they probably won't. Notre Dame has burned me every time I picked them this season, so they probably won't. But who am I to judge, as you said? Okay, with that being said, we have our next game, number 22, UNC, on the road going down the state or going uh, across state lines, take on Clemson. Clemson at home, minus 6.5 point favorites, 15.5 is the slated over-under. Give me UNC plus 6.5. Clemson is uh, hasn't been that good this season. UNC tends to win when it doesn't matter anymore, and if their season's already kind of done. Uh, for regional supremacy and recruiting – uh, bragging rights going forward. Give me UNC to cover here. Don't know if they win, but they're going to cover. So give me UNC plus six and a half. Well, UNC, remember, they still have a chance to make the ACC title game. If Louisville loses this week and they win, then they're only a half game back for that ACC championship game. And then they have to be North Carolina State in the final week. Now, I'm not sure what the tiebreaker would be, but I'm assuming if North Carolina is still alive in the championship race, the North Carolina has that tiebreaker over Louisville. So I think the Tar Heels have a bunch to play for. I'm going to have our first mush of the day. I'm going to take UNC plus six and a half. I don't know if they win the game, but even if they do lose, I feel like they're going to lose by a field goal. But I think they win this one. All righty, then. There's our mush. The next game we have probably the most important game of the week. We have number five, Washington, uh, going on the road. Again, cross state lines take on number 10, Oregon State. Both these teams playing for an opportunity for the Pac-12 title game. Uh, Oregon State at home, minus two and a half point favorites, slated over under at 63 and a half. 
Give me Oregon State money line. They're my favorites to win the Pac-12. I've said this since the beginning of the season. They're like plus eight thousand. They still got a real shot. They got to win this week and Oregon. Then win the title game. Got to go with my gut here. Give me Oregon State to win at home. So give me Oregon State money line here. I'm not gonna take the points, but give me money line. I'll say this: if that were all to happen, if they beat Washington, they beat Oregon, they win the Pac-12 title game against probably Washington again. And there's a lot of stuff in the chaos that happens with these cup, next couple of weeks when it comes to championship week. You could make the case Oregon State maybe makes the college football playoff. You could make Actually, that case. I love chaos. However, I'm not going to go with the chaos this week. I'm going to go with Washington plus two and a half. I think they win this game outright. I just think on paper they are the better team than Oregon State. But I'm not willing to take the money line because I feel like Oregon State will give them a run for their money. All righty, Vans. That brings us to our next game. We have the Battle of the State of Kansas. We have number 23, Kansas State, uh, going in state line to take on the University of Kansas at home. Kansas State, minus 8-point favorites, slated over under 56 and a half. Give me Kansas, uh, regular Kansas, not Kansas State, plus 8 here. Uh, felt like they got kind of they got called their pants down against Texas Tech last week in that embarrassing loss. Not gonna happen again. They're gonna fight for regional supremacy. This is their time to shine. So give me Kansas at least a cover here. Give me Kansas plus eight. Yeah, you talked about that game with Texas Tech. Kansas offense just looked really bad in that one. They were still alive for the Big Twelve Championship game. They pretty much look like they're out of the race now with that third loss in conference play. Kansas State still has a great opportunity to make the conf- the uh, the conference championship game if they win this one and then they get some help along the way. I think this would be a nice game between the two. I think it will come down to the, the wire. I'm going to go with the over. It's a big 12 game. You expect a lot of offense in this one. I expect it again. So give me the over in Kansas State and Kansas. All righty, then. Our next game, we have two more games left. We have number 16, Utah, going on the road. Some Pac-12 action going on the road to take on number 19, Arizona. Arizona at home, minus one-point favorites, and the over-under slated at 44.5. This is a tough one. This is one game I really, I'm really not sure of. I know that Arizona's had some dogfights. I know Utah's had some dogfights. So that yeah. gets me to thinking, I should take the over for this game. So give me over 44.5. Okay. 44.5 for a Pac-12 game is a little bit too low for me. I th- this is tough because you could still make the case Arizona could make the Pac-12 championship game as well. If they win this week and they win their final week and then Oregon or Washington loses out, then the Wildcats are in. They have played some really good football the last couple of weeks, probably the highest team of all college football in terms of just where they started and how now they are. I think because of the momentum they have currently going, I'm going to take Arizona money line in this one. I think the Wildcats are playing with good money. I think they give Utah a fight, and I think they win this one. All righty, then. With that being said, we have our final game approaching us, which we have some SEC action. We have number one Georgia going on the road to take on number one twenty seed. Georgia on the road, 10-point favorites, 58.5 is the slated over-under. To just give Georgia 10 points after the last couple weeks is disrespectful. They're going to absolutely smoke Tennessee. Give me Georgia minus 10 to cover. It's not even going to be close. Well, you, we, we saw what happened with Tennessee this past week. They got beat down by Missouri 36-7. to And Tennessee still had an outside chance of making the SEC championship game if they won that game, and they were able to win this game, obviously. Um, I agree with you. I think Georgia's just playing really too good right now. I'm not willing to take the team across from them um, right now in terms of point spread because I did that with Ole Miss last week, and that burned me to all hell. So 
I got the dogs winning this one minus 10 as well. That's our second mush. And I think they're the best team in the country right now, in my opinion. So I think they just keep rolling and they are in a good position to win their third straight national championship. Alrighty then. Now, before we go into our col- our NFL s- segment, uh, before we wrap up college football, do you have anything else to say regarding this college football week so far? I think we had an interesting week in week 11. I think week 12, we'll have to see how the college football playoff poll comes out and what the committee is thinking when it comes to that. I don't think there will be much shakeup. I think you'll see Louisville enter the top 10. Uh, I think Oregon State might enter the top 10 just because of the impact of their matchup this upcoming weekend. Um, Missouri could also make a case because they had a really good time showing against Tennessee. But this is a big week in terms of there could be some upsets that could really impact the entire slate. If Washington loses, then that might be it for them. If Louisville loses, that's certainly done for them and any dark horse opportunity for them to make the college football playoff. And then you're looking at what happens with the rest of the conference. I mean, in terms of also where these conference championship games are going to go, we still have no idea other than the FCC championship game, who's going to play in these power five uh, title games. Well said, and with that being said, let's go on to our NFL Week 10 recap. We had a crazy Week 10. Like I said, there's one team which I think has really emerged because they really showed, man, they really showed, I don't want to say intra-divisional supremacy, but, man, it was an ugly beatdown for this team, which I think is emerging as one of the favorites. Yeah, and we'll talk about them in a little bit because I know exactly who you're talking about now at this rate. And you've mentioned them a couple times the last couple of weeks. So let's just face facts. We'll go, we went Thursday. We had a we had a not a great game between the Bears and the Panthers. Bears won sixteen to thirteen. The Panthers missed the game when he, uh, game tying field goal at the end. So not really much to talk about that game. We'll go into Sunday's slate because Sunday brought a lot of good time action, and I think one of the big things that we saw was, in my opinion, CJ Stroud right now is looking unbelievable. The Texans. Almost blow it at the end of the game against the Bengals. They had a 10-point lead. Bengals will tie the game. But the Texans go down the field, kick a game-winning field goal, and they beat the Bengals on the road 30-27. to Don't look now, but Houston right now is 5-4 and four in the season. They're in a good spot to potentially make the postseason this year. It's been a really good year one for D'Amico Ryan's company. Absolutely. And uh, I can't believe we're saying this, but is he going to get – He's at least getting MVP consideration, he right? He has to. He has to. I think he has to. I mean, I don't agree with it, but he has to. I've never seen... When's the last time we saw a rookie like this come out and just lead a team like this? I don't think we've seen this for out of a rookie quarterback in the longest time. I try to think of what happened with Andrew Luck's rookie season, because I think the Colts did make the postseason that year. I don't think he got MVP consideration, uh, from my knowledge, but he's putting he up... He had some a... lofty expectations to fill, too, with Peyton. Right, exactly. They were you, you. You were placing a legend in Indy, and to Andrew Luck's credit, the Colts, you know, they were in a train wreck in that going into that season. And to his credit, he did a great job getting them. I believe they got to the playoffs that season, uh, and they did. They were eleven and five, so he had a really good rookie year. The Texans don't look now. Not only could they maybe make the playoffs, they could win the division. They're one game back of Jacksonville, and. They beat Jacksonville earlier this season. So the Texans, who a team that we talked about at the beginning of the season, they said, you know what, it's a transitional year. You have a new young quarterback. They're still trying to fix things. Maybe 
At best, you're hoping for five to six wins. They've already hit five oh wins. Five wins. They've already hit that mark, and they really could make a good case to make the postseason this year. Um, they have an interesting game this upcoming weekend with the Cardinals, who just got back Kyler Murray. Murray came back from injury this past week, and they beat the Atlanta Falcons on a last-second field goal. But the Texans, I mean, I, they're looking really good. And just when we thought the Bengals were starting to kick up, get some momentum, now they lose this game. They didn't have T. Higgins in this one. They're hopeful to have him back this upcoming week. But they're on a short week because they're going to Baltimore on Thursday to take on the Ravens in a crucial division matchup. And a game that you could consider a must-win for Cincinnati because a loss puts you at 5-5. Five and five. And with the way the AFC standings are right now, that could really hurt their chances of making the postseason this year. I will say Cincinnati does control the destiny to a certain extent because they still have a lot of uh, divisional matchups uh, left to play this season. So they right. do control it to a certain extent here, but they do have to wake up. And I think one th- another reason why they have to, you know, they're, they're in a dogfight in this entire not only AFC wildcard race, but even in their own division, they're in the they're in a dogfight. Because look what happened this past weekend with the Browns and the Ravens. A game in which Baltimore was controlling most of the way. Baltimore, at one point, was up by 15 Multiple points. touchdowns. Right, 15-point lead in the third quarter. The Then they took a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter after Gus Edwards' uh, touchdown. And the Browns, to their credit, what a comeback. Elijah Moore gets a touchdown to put them within seven. Greg Newsom gets a pick six to put them within one. They missed the extra point off a missed, uh, I believe a missed snap. But the Browns get down the field. They kick the game-winning field goal, beat the Ravens on the road, 33-31. Deshaun Watson did get injured in this game. It looks like he's going to be okay. But I talked about it at the beginning of the season. I said the Browns are a sneaky good team because of of how good their defense has been. And, you know, you would think with 31 points allowed that that's not a really good defensive game. but the Browns' defense is the reason why they got back into this one. They got the pick six, as I mentioned. They got three sacks on Lamar Jackson. And they really, realistically, they held the Ravens to 106 rushing yards. And that's pretty much – that's actually pretty good for most That's teams. the bread and butter. Right. That's really good if you're able to hold the Ravens to that low of a mark. Lamar usually gets 50 to 60 yards by himself. So they pretty much held the, held the running backs to 50 yards. Right. Yeah, so, and now the Browns, they sit here a half game back of first place in the division. The Ravens still, right now, lead the division at 7-3. And we mentioned they have a big showdown with the Bengals this upcoming week. But a huge statement win for Cleveland now, going to 6-3 in the season. They hold a wild card spot as of this week. And they have another big-time divisional matchup this upcoming weekend with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are also 6-3 after the win over Green Bay this week. I don't know what to make of the Ravens. I don't know if they're real, if they're good, if they're bad. It seems like there's a lot of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and this is why I can't take, even though this team has seven wins, I can't take him seriously. I think we say that every year with Baltimore. Yeah, it's really a recurring theme, and it's, uh, I don't know who you blame at this point. Do you blame Harbaugh? Do you blame Lamar? Do you blame, who do you blame in this situation? I don't know. It used to be the, it used to be uh, what was his? What was that guy's name? The um, the offensive coordinator from last season. I, like I know who you talk about, but Greg his Roman, name is right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's what his name was. He's um, no longer. He can no longer be your scapegoat. He's so. no longer the scapegoat for this team. They have new head, offensive coordinator, so love to see. But before I know, we go into the game that you want to talk about. Um, 
Can we just give Josh uh, Dobbs his, his flowers for what he did again this week? Another great Absolutely. game. Got the Vikings their fifth straight win. They're now 6-4 in the season. And they're in a wild card spot right now. And he's playing unbelievable football. And he's got this team in a great opportunity to get back to the postseason this year. This is such a, a feel-good story for him because we've, we've been over this a bunch of times. Gets drafted, you know, be Big Ben's understudy. That doesn't work out. He's on multiple different teams. I think he's, you said he was on five different teams. Five teams in the last, in the last one, uh, one to two seasons. So this is a man who's had to learn multiple playbooks. He's lived in numerous cities, a lot of different OCs, DCs, head coaches, um, GMs that he has. He's done this whole thing that most some players do it once or twice in their entire 10, 15 years in the league, if you're in the league that long. He's done that. Four or five times over than a lot of these guys ever do in the right. span of a year. So you have to give him a lot of credit for that tenacity to just even be in this situation. Not only to perform in this situation and excel, but to be in this situation too. And he's never really beat himself up. He's never, you know, said, oh, what was me? I I, I keep on you know, I'm this journeyman. I have to go to all these teams. He's, you know, stuck true to himself and it's paying dividends right now. Yeah, I mean, like we said, I mean... That first game he gets for the Vikings, that was a game in which he was on the team for maybe three days. And he leads into a comeback win over the Falcons and now finally gets a full week to learn the playbook. Yeah, he didn't even know where his locker was on game day this past Sunday. And they get another win. They're now five straight wins. They beat the Saints who lost Derek Carter injury in this game. We don't know what the status of him right now. They go into a bye week this week. But the Saints still lead the division. So that's just how telling the NFC South has been this season. Uh, and we also had Famous Jameis make a comeback this week, too. Famous Jameis did give them an opportunity. He did throw a late interception that cost them the game, but he did give them a chance to win the game. So that is to his credit. They almost got a nice comeback win in that one. But let's get into the game that you've been wanting to talk about the uh, for the past couple of minutes, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Their first game back from the bye week, we had talked about it. They had looked really bad these last couple of weeks. Um, a three-game loser streak going into the bye, and – they finally were able to get back Debo Samuel. First game they had with Chase Young after they traded for him at the trade deadline. And they looked like the San Francisco 49ers team that we saw at the beginning of the season. Complete domination of Jacksonville, 34-3 the final. Trevor Lawrence throwing two interceptions, getting sacked five times. Also lost the fumble. Uh, George Kittle had 116 yards and a touchdown. They did break the CMC streak, though. CMC did not score a touchdown, so his 17-game touchdown streak is now officially over. Brock Purdy looked a lot better, though, going into this one. I think the presence of Debo Samuel being back definitely helps him a lot. But I know you want to get a little bit more into San Francisco, as I believe you think that they are now the best team in the NFL once again. Listen, I know we have uh, – they were missing – they lost a couple of games. Brock Purdy didn't look that good. I still don't think he's that good of a quarterback. It's not really much of a hot take unless you have $10,000 investing in sports cards. Uh, which if you do, I highly advise you to dump it all right now. Uh, this, <laughs> this is financial advice, by the way. This is financial advice right here. Usually you tell me it's not financial advice. Yeah, this is financial advice right here. This is definitely financial advice. Uh, listen, the San Francisco defense, I know Trevor Lawrence hasn't had a strong year. They made him look like a fool. He had two picks. He couldn't get. He couldn't stay in the pocket. He was getting sacked all day. It looked like that defensive line with Chase Young and uh, Nick Bosa is as good as advertised. And as long as this team stays healthy, they're gonna win the they're gonna win the Super Bowl. What what offensive line? And it's gonna be interesting because I think we'll get to see Niners Eagles later in this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I that is the so only offensive line I think they could stop. I think that's the only O line that could stop this D line. 
It's possible. It's possible. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, listen, we saw what happened in the playoffs, so who knows. Um, I can confirm that on December 3rd, the Niners do play the Eagles in Philadelphia. That's going to be one hell of a game, and I can't. Mark your I'm looking at the Eagles next. How about the next? I just looked at the Eagles schedule now. Their next couple games are tough. It's uh, murder's row. Home up against Buffalo. Home against San Francisco. At Dallas. At Seattle. Listen, it's no one it's said it's going to be easy. No, um, I'm hoping to see some L's. No offense to them and any Eagle fans listening. That's not bias at all. And I'm not saying that because my team is two and eight. Anyway. Hey, your team's also two and eight. Yeah, yeah, we're squatting Sick, up with the two and eight. We'll see you all at the uh, tank ball at MetLife in a couple weeks. I can't wait. That's gonna be phenomenal. Um, but let's talk about our next game: the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Chargers. A shootout of all shootouts in this one between these two teams. You had Jared Goff and Justin Herbert throwing for multiple touchdowns. Goff threw for two. Herbert threw for four. Both over three hundred yards passing. The Lions had 200 yards rushing, 116 for David Montgomery, 77 from Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Amon Rossi Brown had a monster game as well as Keenan Allen, both going for over 150 yards in the touchdown. Keenan had two. But the Lions get a game-winning field goal at the end, being the Chargers 41-38 to the final. They now go to 7-2 and on the season, uh, the second-best record in the NFC behind those Philadelphia Eagles. And now for the Chargers, another game in which their defense did not help the offense putting it who had big numbers, and they now dropped the four and five. And with the way the AFC pitcher is currently standing out right now, it doesn't look really highly likely that this team's gonna make the postseason this year. Well, clearly this was Justin Herbert's fault, right? I mean, that's what uh, that's what notable football experts would tell you. Like, clearly, Justin Herbert just has to throw another touchdown, right? He only he only had four touchdowns on the day. I mean, come on, was what, like, is he even trying out there? He clearly needs to throw eight touchdowns, you know, because putting up 31 points isn't good enough now. Yeah, I, Brad Staley has been was supposed to be known for this defensive, you know, knowledge. and Oh, wait, I you can play defense on the Chargers? No, you can't. Wow, I didn't know that. They've spent all this money on their defense, and it just, it just has not gotten better. It's gotten worse, honestly. Or how they just got rid of J.C. Jackson after, like... They got rid weeks. of him because they thought they wanted to make him to be the scapegoat. And sure enough, that's it's not him. Really? I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that either. And maybe it's the head coach that you currently have. I think the Chargers, as soon as possible, got to get rid of him. Just uh, Listen, we've been saying this for God knows how it's long. It's literally a dark cloud on this franchise right now. Because I, I don't I'm know telling what they're you, doing. I'm telling you, this is going to be Phillip Rivers 2.0 in which they're going to have a great quarterback, generational to a lot of people, and they're not going to be able to do anything with him because of how badly the defense has been around him. This happened a lot of times for Phillip Rivers, most, and they were never able to get to the Super Bowl. They barely got to championship uh, conference championship games, and Turbert's only been to one playoff game, and that one playoff game was a collapse against the Jaguars. So it's not looking good right now for this franchise. Well, chin up, Chargers fans, all seven of you, and Aaron. Um, maybe one day, maybe they'll fi- you'll fire up Brandon Staley, and you'll get your wish, maybe. and maybe Herbert can be a uh, be part of a playoff contender. Just maybe. We'll have to see. But uh, let's talk about their division rival, the Las Vegas Raiders. They get their second win under Antonio Pierce as they beat the Jets at Sunday Night Football, sixteen to twelve. Uh, a game in which Josh Jacobs 
pretty good, 116 yards rushing. Uh, the lone touchdown of the game was a Michael Mayer touchdown from Aiden O'Connell. And the Jets had an opportunity to win the game late, but Jack Wilson throws an interception. They had a chance on the final possession of the game. The Hail Mary attempt did not work. And unfortunately for the Jets, they now fall to 4-5. and five. That's now um, their second straight loss. And a stat that I saw this week that is really concerning for me, uh, Zach Wilson, five touchdown passes on the season, right? Yep. Josh Dobbs has five touchdown passes in two games with the Vikings. Yeah, it checks out. And the Jets, I believe, have scored one touchdown. I'm trying to think. In their last three games, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that was the the Brees Hall touchdown against the Giants. I think that's yeah. right. They didn't score a touchdown against the Chargers. They got that touchdown against the Giants. And then they didn't – I don't think they got any offensive touchdowns in the Eagles game. Maybe the, they got a rushing touchdown at the end, and that was it. They scored two tu- two offensive touchdowns in their past I four games. I don't know what blackmail Zach Wilson has on Robert Sala, but whatever it is, I promise you it can't be worse than starting him. They, they cannot ask for Aaron Rodgers to come back any sooner, sooner rather than later. Aaron Rodgers is literally going to tear off. He's going to need to get his leg amputated. He's going to come back so soon, and he's gonna, we're going to watch his man like, literally disappear on live television. And he's aiming for a mid-December return, and... The Jets, I don't know, by then, they're probably going to be out of the playoff race at this point. Here's the thing. If you're 500 and if Aaron Rodgers is like 50-50 on coming back, do then you, you do might it? have a chance. Like he did this with the Packers a couple of years ago and just out of spite was beating teams, even though he had a high, like literally the big, longest long shot of making the playoffs, which he which he did, but he just came back to kind of just sink above a bunch of other teams' chances and maybe even write his own playoff ticket. So he's done this before in the past, but never on ACL like this. Right. But I don't know. They're in a bad spot right now. But not the, they're not the only AFC East team that's right now in a bad spot right now. I know you're going to love this game. The entire division is. Yeah, the entire division's in a rough spot. I would spot. actually argue the Patriots are in the best spot. I don't, That's a wild statement at 2-8. and eight. Well, I mean, let's be real. We're going to talk about the Bills in a second here. But is Miami going to do anything this season? I mean, probably not. Are the Jets going to do anything this season? The rate they're going, definitely not. Are the Bills going to do anything this season? At the rate they're going, probably not. And what are the Patriots going to do at the rate they're going? They're going to be tanking you know, clearly and try to maybe get Marvin Harris Jr. All right, I think that's the best outcome we can, we can, anyone can hope for right now. I'll let you continue now. Embrace the tank. That's how I'll, that's how I'll like to go about it. Uh, let's talk about this game between Denver and Buffalo that happened uh, on Monday night. Um... Buffalo's first play of the game, a run for Josh, uh, Josh, I'm sorry, James Cook, and he fumbles. So that was a good start for them. Uh, Denver only got three points on it, so they didn't really capitalize as much. But this is another game which Buffalo had too many mistakes in the first half, and that's been the story for them all season. Uh, Josh Allen threw two picks in that first half, played a lot better in the second half to his credit, but man, Buffalo's mishap at the end of the game is a, a head scratcher for for certain. So let's paint a picture. Denver gets a touchdown um, to take a 21-15 lead. They went for the extra point. It was a botched snap. They had to try to run it. They could not get it. So it was a six-point game. Gave Buffalo an opportunity to get a touchdown and an extra point to take the lead. That's what Buffalo does. They go down the field in six plays. 
They get a touchdown run from Josh Allen. They take a 22-21 lead with a minute 55 left. Russell Wilson and company, they go down the field. There was a pass interference call on Jerry Judy that got them into field goal range. They would run a couple more plays. And remember, they didn't have a timeout when this happened. So they get into field goal range. Russell Wilson takes a knee, and they quickly bring out their field goal unit. The field goal unit runs out, as well as the Bills' special teams unit, to try and block the kick. Will Lutz has to kick it very quickly, and he does. And because of him kicking it that quickly, he misses it. And Buffalo fans are going wild. They thought they've won the game. They just escaped and get their sixth win of the season. But Laundry gets thrown on the field. The Bills have 12 men on the field on the kick, and they have to redo the kick Would now. you like to say who it is who's on the field? I don't think it was him, though. That was the 12th uh, man. It was him. It was him. I I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. And I'm just singling out because he's been he's been playing like absolute. Uh, he hasn't. Well, I mean, he hasn't played at all. That's all but when you see him game. on the field, when yeah. you see him on the field, he hasn't been performing. It was Demar Hamlin, everyone. So that was the uh, that was the guy who cost the Bills the game. So, um, well, I wouldn't say him. I'd say that's more on coaching because they have to know how many people are out there. That's right. So who was the scapegoat this week that got uh that got fired because of this? It was the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. But to be fair, he deserved to get fired. Oh, just like Leslie Frazier? Uh, yeah. Well, come on. You can't, you can't tell me Ken Dorsey does not get, need to be fired. Oh, I, I know, but him and Bill's Leslie... offense has been atrocious listen, this season. Listen, him and Leslie Frazier both deserve... They both deserve to get fired, right? Can Leslie, we, can Frazier we got fi- Leslie Frazier got fired because of what happened in the Chiefs game. That's, yes, that's, yes. That's, that's, I, that's I agree obvious. 100%. But both these guys deserve to get fired, right? Yeah, I know. We're, because of their very ineptitude, right? Yes, we're, I know what you're going to get now. We're gonna get so who next. hired both of them? Sean McDermott does deserve to be in the hot seat. I agree with you. We said it, oh, I think man. we said it going into the season. that Sean said McDermott, it last season, too. This man's in the hot seat. He's I, done nothing I there. think the seat's even more hot than it has been. So he's Brandon Staley levels of incompetent. That, that, that is a, a really bad loss to end it because of how the scenario that happens. Now, keep in mind, as we mentioned, Dorsey gets fired. They now need Joe Brady, the interim OC. If you remember, Joe Brady was the former offensive coordinator with the Panthers. That didn't really go over too well, but for what he did in college with LSU and the years with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, you're hoping maybe they can get a spark like that because they need anything going on offense. The Bills' offense has been anemic. In every game, it seems like their first-half offense has been horrible. And they need now a big offensive spark because they play the Jets this coming week. And we saw what happened in week one. Josh Allen had three interceptions. And they lost that game on a walk-off kick uh, punt return in overtime. So they need this game. It's probably the biggest must-win game of the year for Buffalo. Because a loss puts you at five and six. Especially to a Jets team that has not been able to score any points as well. Then uh, the Bill season's pretty much done. And... I agree with you. I think Sean McDermott deserves a lot of criticism right now for what's ha- you know for a lot of the stuff that's gone wrong this season for the Bills. I mean, listen, I'll say it again. I think he deserves to get fired. He, he has shown me nothing for this entire season. I think we're at the point where he might be getting fired. I don't know if it's going to happen in season, but at the end of the season, I would not be surprised. Oh, I think I don't think he should get fired in season. They should. He at has least to make the playoffs to save his job. And even then, I don't know if it's going to be enough. Yeah, they should at least give him the dignity to, you know, retire in the offseason with grace. Say, oh, yeah, it wasn't working no, out. No, he won't retire. Um, well, not retire, but just resign, I should say. Oh, yeah, you know, it wasn't working out. You know, um, some other team throw a boatload of money at me now. 
We'll have to see. But um, any any takeaways you have from this game before we go into the week eleven mushing hour? Well, not really the game, but um, I'm just gonna leave as uh, a little food for thought here. All right, gets hired in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Great regular season head coach, wins close to 63 percent of his games. He is four and five in the playoffs in that in that stretch. He's been there for seven years now. Does he deserve to stay after this? This is kind. Of, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Andy Reid in Philly. That's this is what he kind of reminds me of right now. Andy well, Reid when, when he was coaching the Eagles. Super Bowl. I will say in his defense. Yeah, so I guess he's doing worse than Andy Reid in Philly. That's 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 the bench. Win that right. Super Bowl, but yeah, he did at least but get yeah. to a Super Bowl. Uh, that is, I kind of think where we're at. So if you want to have a worse version of Philadelphia Andy Reid Buffalo, uh, this is your guy. I think I think the best. You know what the funny thing of the offseason is going to be? They're going to give it the scapegoat to the Madden cover because Josh Allen's on the Madden cover. Can't oh, wait for geez. that. I can't wait for that storyline. It's going to happen. I guarantee you, it happens. I can't wait. It's going to be great. You're right. It's 100 percent going to happen. Yeah, I, I can't defend. I, I I love Josh Allen, but I can't defend him how he's playing right now. I mean, James. He just he's playing. He's very he's been very Jekyll and Hyde. Listen, he's famous James of a better PR team. That's what that's what he is right now. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but. I'll talk to you after week 14. I can't really argue it. Uh, Either way, let's go into the week 11 mushing hour. We already mentioned what mushing hour entails. So now let's see how it works for this week's NFL action. Now, I'm on a high right now going to the NFL. I went 7-2 last week. And believe it or not, Johnson, we have the exact same identical record now this season on the overall. Yeah, we are both 37. Both 40 and 37. Um, Can't make that up. And we all pick different things, too. So we're both picking around 52% right now. Not great, but hey, we can improve it this week. Maybe get it back up to 55%. Hey, listen, for where I started, I was I was nine games under 500, I think, at one point in this NFL season. I, I think I was 12 games over 500, so it's a little up, uh, upsetting for yeah. me. I've been on kind of a cold streak the last yeah. couple of weeks. Hopefully, we're going to kind of reverse that. The weather's been getting cold here in New York, but I'm getting hot when it comes to my picks. And now, because I said that, I definitely mushed myself. So All right, fade Nick this week, everyone. Absolutely. Fade him, fade him, fade him. All Absolutely. Right. So that being said, we have the Cincinnati Bengals on the road going into Baltimore. M&T Bank Stadium taking on the Ravens. Baltimore at home, three and a half point favorites. Over under slated at 46 and a half. Give me Bengals plus three and a half. One of these teams got to win. It's, it's going to be a dog fight. Give me Bengals to win a close one. I think they'll win outright, but if not, they're going to lose by less than a field goal. So give me the Bengals plus three and a half. I'll take the points since since they're uh, since they're being given to me. I think for the first time in a while, we have probably a really good slate of prime time games this week. We do Thursday night game is good. Sunday night game might not be or not might not be bad. It's it doesn't look great on paper, but considering how the two teams have played of late, it might not be terrible. Probably jinx that as well. Monday night game should be great. We'll talk about those games in a little bit. This one should be fun. A divisional matchup between Baltimore and Cincinnati. I think a lot of points are going to be scored. You usually don't say that for a primetime game, but I think we see a lot of points. I'm going to take the over in this one. I took the under last week in the Bengals game, and I really paid for that one. That was one of my two losses, so I'm not going to make that mistake this week. I think we see a nice high-scoring game between Cincinnati and Baltimore. All right, even that leads us to our second game. We're staying inside that AFC North division. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road into Cleveland to take on the Browns, who are at home. Three and a half point favorites, and 36 and a half is the slated over under. I'm also going to take the underdog in, the, in this AFC North matchup. Going to be a dogfight. 
Give me the same logic behind the Bengals. Steelers seem to find win uh, ways to win a game. It may not be pretty. I don't know if Matt Cannon is taking a backseat in the play calling, and maybe just maybe just Definitely putting him on the, maybe just putting me on the sideline just made him better all of a sudden. But give <laughs> no. me Steelers at least to cover here. Give me Steelers plus three and a half. I'm gonna go the opposite of you. I'm gonna take the Browns minus three and a half. I think uh, for me, it comes down to the Steelers find these ways to win, but they do it at home. They haven't really shown much on the road. They have not played a lot of road games this season. And you're going into the dog pound to face a Browns team that has a lot of momentum going right now after that win over Baltimore. I think it's going to come down to who has the better defense out of the two. And for me, I think it's the Browns defense. So I'll take Cleveland minus three and a half. All right. That brings us to our next game. We have the, I was going to say Oakland Raiders, but the Las Vegas Raiders going on the road to take on the Miami Dolphins. Miami at home minus 12 point favorites over under slate at a 47 and a half. Miami has not been that good. Uh, Miami's been struggling. They seem to can't beat. They can only beat under 500 teams. And when they beat those under 500 teams, it's not in convincing fashion, except if you're the Broncos. This is a 500 team, technically. Their Raiders are 5-5 five and five on the year. So you're kind of teetering on, okay, what's going to happen here? And with that being said, thank you for pointing that out, Nick. Give me Raiders to cover here, plus 12. I think that's too much. Give me Raiders plus 12 here. Well, my Giants season has gone really poorly. They're 2-8, so I'm living vicariously through Antonio Pierce, the current interim coach for the Raiders, the former Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants. So I want him to succeed. Um, He's gotten... I think the problem for him has been the two teams he's beaten have been really our bad teams. He beat the Giants and the Jets. Now you're facing the Raiders, who have uh, the Dolphins, who have a really, really good offense. I, don't, I know people criticize Tua... And sometimes, most of the time, but the biggest thing for me in this game, uh, Devin Achain is back for Miami. He's going to be returning from the IR. I think that provides a huge spark for this offense. I'm going to not take the 12. I'm going to go with Dolphins minus 10. I, I think the Raiders will try their best to keep it close, but I think Miami just has too much offensive firepower for the Raiders to keep up. All right, we're going to go into a uh, AFC East divisional matchup here. Talking about the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets will be going into Orchard Park to take on the Bills this week. Bills at home, minus seven point favorites, over under slated at 40 and a half. With that being said, Buffalo, this is your opportunity now. You need to win this game because if you do not win this game, you have a hell of a schedule coming in front of you. That include the Eagles, Chiefs, and I believe the 49ers in the in the weeks after this. So Buffalo, win this game or be condemned to a sub five hundred season. So with that being said, give me Buffalo to not only win but cover. Buffalo minus seven. You mentioned the Bills schedule. After this week, it's Jets at K. At I'm sorry, at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, home against Dallas, at the Chargers. Those the Chargers won't be an easy game. And then they end the year with the Patriots, who they've who they've lost to this season, and then they're at Miami. I why do I think it was the Niners? It was the Cowboys. Yeah. I think this is must win for Buffalo. They can't lose this game. If they lose this game, their season's done. Because the, the way I the agree. Jets are playing right now, it's it's not... I know you lost them early in the season, but it's even worse. I think this is even worse loss if you lose this time around. For me, the play's the under. If you have a Jets game right now on your thing, and you see the point total, you're taking the under every game. They have not proven you to score any points. The Bills' offense has also proven to you to not score many points. So I think this will be a low-scoring game. I think Buffalo wins this one, maybe like twenty to like six. 
So I I don't I don't hate your twenty your Buffalo minus seven pick. Alrighty, then the next game we have the Minnesota Vikings going on the road to take on the Denver Broncos going to Mile High Sta- uh, Stadium in Denver. Denver at home minus two and a half point favorites over under sleeve at forty three and a half. Give me Vikings plus two and a half. This Josh Dobbs feel good story is going to continue. Vikings plus two and a half. I think that's I think they're being disrespected here. Well, in all fairness, think about what Denver's done the last couple weeks. They a big win over the Chiefs, a big win on the road against the Bills, and the Vikings deserve their flowers as well. They won five straight games, and I think the biggest thing to note out, Johnson, they might get Justin Jefferson back this week. That's huge for this team, considering that they've won all these games without Justin Jefferson. You get him a primetime game, and keep in mind, we thought this primetime game was going to be really bad a couple weeks ago when you looked at the two teams' records. But now, they've been playing decent. really good. Now it looks like a decent football game. We probably mushed that now. It probably will be a terrible game, knowing our luck. It's going to end 2-0 on a safety. Yeah, probably. I think we're going to be in for a good one. I think, though, because of where they're playing and because of the altitude, I think the Vikings might struggle in this game. I'm going to go Broncos minus 2.5. That's a fair analysis. I could see them easily struggling in this game. That's uh, That's not too far off. That's, that's fine. Okay. And the final game of the, of the week, the Andy Reid Bowl. Oh, man. The Andy Reid Bowl is right. We have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs. So we have Jason Kelsey versus Travis Kelsey. Mama Kelsey doesn't know what to do. Taylor Swift is going to be cheering. Taylor Swift will definitely be there in person. Oh, of course. And she's going to be cheering against her best man and in favor of maybe her future husband. Probably not. All righty, then. We have Kansas City at home, minus three point favorites, over under Slee at four and a half. The uh, Chiefs are a bunch of frauds. Give me Eagles plus three. I've said this multiple times. I do not believe in this Chiefs team that they get gifted a lot of games. So give me the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Kelsey Bowl. Well, I'm hoping the Chiefs uh, beat the Eagles for obvious reasons. So, for my bias pick of the week, and probably take Johnson's pick before my pick, I'm going to take the Chiefs minus three. Uh, they come off a bye week. Uh, I think they could really use a, a you know a convincing win to prove to the world that they are still a favorite. And you got to think this is probably one of the best Monday Night Football games we've had in a long time. You get the Super Bowl rematch on Monday Night Football. Um. I remember a couple years ago we had that Chiefs and Rams game that went for 54-51 to 51 final. I'm not saying that's going to be the final of this game, but we could be in for a really good matchup between these two teams. So for my pick, I'm just going to be very biased. I'm not even going to you know sugarcoat it. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus three to win this one. All righty, Ben. I don't think we had any mushes this time around, so good for us to go mush-free this mushing hour. Yep. Comfortable when we had a couple, but for the NFL, we are completely staying away from each other. So, could be good, that could be bad. We don't know yet. But before we wrap up this week's show, the super show this week on the All Gas No Break Sports Show, uh, there is some news that you want to talk about, Andrew, that I know you have. Oh, absolutely. And I want to talk about the Boris County Card Show happening in Parsippany, New Jersey, this upcoming Saturday. So, we had one a couple weeks ago. We're going to have one again this week. So that is in the Embassy Sweeps, 909 Parsippany Boulevard in Parsippany, New Jersey, 07054 from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sports cards, Pokemon, memorabilia, and more. Get it in this Saturday. Early access starts at 9 a.m. at ten for $10 per person, and GA starts at 10 a.m. for $5 per person. It's going to be around 70 tables. It's a great venue. Parking is right there. You don't have to go crazy looking for anywhere. 
And there's going to be lots of sports cards available, as well as Pokemon, TCG, Magic the Gathering, whatever you're into. But come by, stay, say hello, and maybe just chat for a little bit. But that's the Morris County Card Show happening this weekend, this Saturday, November uh, 18th. It should be a fun one this week. We always have fun at these card shows these last couple of weeks. Never months, a dull moment. Years, exactly. There is never a dull moment when it comes to it. So should be a fun one this upcoming weekend. But for us here at the All Gas No Break Sports Show, that is going to do it for this week's edition as our super show is concluded. College football, we go into week 12. NFL, we go into week 11. We are getting closer to the end of the regular season for both of these sports. The football season is unfortunately almost coming to an end too. I'm going to be very sad in just a couple months. But nonetheless, we will find out who will be the respective champions sooner rather than later in both college and the professionals. This has been Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your week.